everybody, and welcome back to the Cascadia Quarter Podcast. As always, I am your host, Matt, and I'm here with my lovely co-hosts, James. The only natty I recognize was today. Um, Grizz couldn't get it done, unfortunately. Jackrabbits by millions, sadly. Zach? The Blazers won today. They certainly did, and not Dewey. Dewey could not be here today, unfortunately. Where is Dewey? Which is... Uh, <laughs> You know, uh, a shame for us, but Dewey is currently in Houston for the Nashville Championship game, um, so I'm sure he is having just a fine time without us. Um, Why couldn't but... he have been on that Alaska flight? <laughs> uh, before we get started, make sure to leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to us on, and follow us on Twitter at Cascadia underscore corner, and check the description for more details on other places to find us. So, guys, um, obviously we have some big stuff to talk about for tomorrow for the Washington section of our podcast. But I want to kick things off because last week there were some pretty big bowl games played. Obviously, um, our friends in Eugene, the Oregon Ducks, faced the Liberty Flames in the Fiesta Bowl, a New Year's Six slate. Um, and absolutely, Molly whopped Liberty. Like, this wasn't even really close. There was, like, two big plays at the beginning that Liberty had, and they scored, and then it was over, <laughs> yeah. basically. Um, James, obviously, with Oregon having such a good season, you know, ending it with a win, but obviously, with the rivalry aspect of Washington, I guess you can kind of look back at this entire season now, with this being the bow on top. How are you feeling after this fiesta bowl win yeah um it was kind of sad to see the fiesta bowl in the state this game kicked off at 10 a.m on new year's day and it was maybe 40 percent full the stadium um it's just kind of what has happened to do your six bowls when they aren't part of the playoff but outside of that yeah it was great to win the fiesta bowl uh another new year's six uh, which has, you know, become the standard around Eugene. As far as the game goes, it was kind of silly for that first quarter. Oregon came out a little flat-footed. Um, some of the stuff Liberty had gotten away with all year was working for them, but once they dialed in, it honestly, it was pretty shameless what Oregon was up to by the time the second half rolled around with all the records that they were up for um, grabbing this game. They were basically just doing shovel passes to get Bo Nix over the completion percentage record. But can't complain. Um, definitely the bigger news since this game has been the amount of announcements of people coming back, which I will save everybody from on this episode. Uh, but yeah, overall, 12-2. and two, I think in a vacuum, you look at the season, and it's hard to be upset with it. But obviously, the real world um, issue is, is that you lost to Washington twice in the national championship. Yeah. Um, I think that with this game, like you said, it's hard to not look at things in a vacuum, obviously, with the level of fandom that we are all at with these teams. Um, yeah, there's a lot of narrative that plays into it and a lot of storytelling. But yes, in like by itself and most college football fans would absolutely love to watch their team win a Fiesta Bowl, go 12 and 2, um, be on the cusp and probably end the year is what they'll probably be a top six team. Um, yeah, I mean. In terms of power rating, they're probably the second best team in the country. But yeah, in terms of polls, I think they'll probably they'll probably finish ahead of Ohio State and maybe Mizzou. So yeah, fifth or sixth. Yeah, 
Um, I think they're overall in a good spot. Zach, as a more neutral or, dare I say, hater perspective on this game, what were your uh, thoughts about the Ducks? Uh, I was pretty jealous, to be honest. Because, <clears throat> like, I don't know, Oregon State's, like, greatest achievement of the modern era is winning the Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame. And then the Ducks just uh, it made it look like it was a, like a <laughs> freaking practice game. Um, it was a bit silly in the first uh, first quarter. I was like sort of watching it while bowling, uh, so I wasn't paying that close attention to it. But um, yeah, it, I don't know. Oregon just like didn't care, and then um, they're like, "Okay, let's actually lock in a little bit," and they just destroyed them. Like if Oregon actually cared about this game, it probably would have been like the Portland State score. Um, yeah, it I mean, been it disgusting. was disgusting. 46 to 3 or 43 to 6 and Oregon lost the first quarter. Like they put up three points in that first quarter. What does Oregon do? 45 to 6. Holden? Holden? Treshawn Holden? Yeah. Treshawn Holden? Yeah. He was cooking. Um, Tez Johnson was cooking. Uh, It it just looked so. It looked like they were playing 7 on 7, but not against 7, like 7 on 5. And yeah, I mean, the Ducks were. Patton, uh, all of Bonix's stats, but like, eh, who cares? Might as well. I'm, I'm not really against that. It was saw... Georgia or Ohio State would have been so, or maybe not Ohio State. Ohio State looks stinky in their bowl game, but Georgia would have been a <laughs> much more. Holes mentioned, dude. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. um... A conspiracy that the they gave Georgia and Oregon these matchups to like prove a point, <laughs> which maybe. I think is kind of funny, but yeah, I can see that. They don't want like a, a group of five team in the um, playoff. Yeah, mostly against Florida State, and then Oregon kind of just got <laughs> lucky. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know <laughs> that in the uh, past there have been some good G five matchups in these games, like we saw last year yeah. with Tulane and USC. Like the capability is there. Way better. I yeah, I think SMU is a better matchup. State? I think like, App State. I think Tulane. Yeah. I think James Madison. There were a lot yeah. of other G five teams. Hell, I would have even thrown Air Force into this game ahead of Liberty, if I'm being completely Ooh, honest. Speaking of Tulane, uh, Ty Thompson transferred to Tulane. Ty Thompson <laughs> Ty did transfer. Honestly, <laughs> I'm so happy for him. Like, that's, yeah. that's actually kind of cool. Like, Tulane's cool. It's in New Orleans, and, like, he gets to go there. Like, that's awesome. I'm actually so happy about this. This is a big deal on the Quacked Out podcast. <laughs> Dude, that's like, an entire so Reed reference. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Quite literally. <laughs> Our buddy Reed is a Tulane graduate and also... Uh, huge duck fan so it's kind of funny to see that um but yeah ty thompson going elsewhere but i think the point of like g5 teams like this was just not a great year for g5 teams like on the national scale i guess is the yeah. best way to phrase it air um, force were, was the golden ticket and they fell off unfortunately they were the golden ticket and they they went on like a four game skid at the end of the season yeah. um and then you I, saw how they handled james madison so <laughs> i am pretty confident because so the the current 12 team format for next year is locked in for the next two years which includes the g5 auto bid i am pretty confident they're going to get rid of the g5 auto bid yeah i think the only way it happens is if they win out of the gate next Which, year. Which, like, but like, there has been top 10 G5 schools before. Yeah. It, Unless, I mean, like, like, Oregon State and Wazoo are like really competitive, which I don't think they will be next year. Then, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. 
I don't know, two years is just not enough of a sample size for me to be confident in anything we see um, in this format coming up. Yeah, who knows what the sport is going to look like in two years. Yeah. Um, but I guess enough on that, because we could talk about that all day. We've rambled about that multiple times on this podcast. So we can transition to the Allstate, Allstate Sugar Bowl. I Why are you being a corporate shill right now, dude? Well, okay. I'm just trying <laughs> to think of what it is called. I don't. Is it still to Tostino's Fiesta Bowl? No, it hasn't been. They killed is it the Verbo. Sport. Yeah, okay, it is Verbo. Fiesta it was even cool. Dude, what like, happened? Play, PlayStation, PlayStation was cool enough, yeah. but yeah. Verbo was so unserious. <laughs> the Sugar Bowl. Uh, what even is Verbo? I don't. It's like dude. Airbnb. Yeah, I'm, it's like Airbnb, but not Airbnb. <laughs> I don't know. Um, as you can tell, we're not sponsored by Verbo. Very obvious. Not that that was in question. Um, but yeah, you lost the plot. Texas at the Sugar Bowl uh, came down to the wire. 37-31 win for the Dogs to send them to the national championship. Um, besides a fourth quarter scare. Uh, to put it very lightly, as a UW fan, um, <laughs> it felt like UW was in control of this game, even when they were going blow for blow. Obviously, Michael Penix, healthy and in a dome, was absolutely lights out. Probably played the best game I've ever seen him play in a Washington Husky uniform, wholeheartedly. He was slinging that thing. Um, but I want to know your guys' thoughts. James, what did you what did you think of watching your adversaries go at it here? Um... Have we nailed a game in a preview as hard as we nailed this Texas Washington <laughs> Quite game? Quite literally, dude. Like, <laughs> we're like, yeah, Washington should lose. I will say this is probably the best game Washington has played all year. And it should have mm-hmm. it honestly should have been a blowout. Like Texas blew the or like fumbled the ball three separate times. Washington kind of failed to <laughs> put him away at a few yeah. separate opportunities. The Jeremy Bernard uh, punt return fumble, which oh set up God. Texas to keep them in the game was big. But yeah, like, it, like Michael, like the amount of national media personalities that are outing themselves as not watching Michael Penix all year is fucking incredible. Yeah. Like, everyone's was... like, Michael Penix is good, question mark? And it's like, like yeah. yeah, we've like, been telling you we, this. We have been, was it was like, like Michael Irving was like, Michael Penix is like Mike Vick. What, because yeah. he's a left-handed quarterback? Like, this is one of the most ridiculous comparisons I've ever It's the laziest ever comparison seen. ever, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, maybe Michael Penix should have won the Heisman. I'm like, what? <laughs> You're like, no kidding, man. Um, yeah, it's, it was funny to watch the rest of the country have the UW viewing experience. Um, yeah. that we have all had for the entire season. Which is so confusing to me because everybody watched both Oregon games and he was like, it's the same guy. Like he's making, he's been making these throws all year outside of when he was hurt. But I know none of you watched Washington, Arizona state. So like, why are we <laughs> pretending like this isn't the Michael Penix you've been watching all year or supposedly I watching? Know. I know. Um, but even, even that, it just felt like it was on a whole nother level, dude. Like, yeah, no, he, he he made some ridiculous throws in this game, which are like just draw, draw jaw dropping, incredible. Um, and then yeah, they tried to throw it away, but they they get away with everything. So they, they keep getting away with it. It is uh, so. Imagine people know this, but uh, Washington is up six. They're at like the midfield. They they're putting the game away. Um, on third down. 
they run the ball, which I I don't think is that atrocious. There were some takes on that. But Keeley, Keeley, Dylan Johnson gets hurt on the carry, which stops the clock. Um, if Dylan Johnson doesn't get hurt, Texas would have got the ball back at like the 15 with like 20 seconds left. But yeah. because of that, they get the ball back with like 40 seconds left. Um, <laughs> which like still not a massive deal. They should get the ball at like the 15. But, but you forget <laughs> this is a UW game we are yeah. talking but about. UW. So. When the lights are the dimmest, forget how to play football. <laughs> and the um, the gunner runs into the Texas punt returner. A long snapper, might I add, who has oh, done yeah. nothing of note all year except his job. <laughs> <laughs> which which sets Texas up at like the thirty five. Texas it... then makes two of the most ridiculous <laughs> plays that they have not made all game <laughs> to set them up at the twelve with about twenty five seconds left. And then Washington just locks in again. And like <laughs> <laughs> And the funniest part about the whole thing is on the last play, the textbook coverage that we saw to win them the game was from Elijah Jackson, which if you have been following UW, you would know is like their weakest link on the defensive side of the ball. He's a like, hero. He has been barbecue chicken all year, but I can't even I can't even be mad. I can't even be a hater because ultimately he made the play that sent the team to the natty. So, like, can I really be that upset at the guy anymore? UW fans were losing their minds on the timeline. I was confident UW was winning this game the entire time. Oh, I'm like, I I have seen this fucking 12 separate times this year. (laughs) Like, I'm not moved by Texas of all teams. Because, like, I've been that doomer that's like, oh, we fucking suck, we're going to lose. Like, I was watching our, our UW friends, like, doing this, and I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Like, this looks great. Like, UW's looking awesome. Yeah, but, uh, like, of so, course, Elijah Jackson turns into prime Dion when they need him. Like, <laughs> what's new, dude? Yeah, they yeah. keep getting away with it. Uh, they keep getting no, away with it. To set the scene for that last, those final four plays, so I was uh, watching the game with our dear friend Avery, and uh, she went to go get prepared for uh, her podcast for the No Truck Stops. So she thought that, like, UW won. This was uh, before the uh, Dylan Johnson injury. And so she's, like, left the room. And then I was, like, <laughs> watching it by myself, watching all of this just happen, losing my mind. And I had to, like, run and get Avery to come back in just to pray that UW holds on. The way that I but locked yeah. in as a passive observer to this dude, like so, <laughs> I've forward the yeah. <laughs> so I have made a big spectacle out of all the games I've gone to this year. I've traveled a lot. I was much more humble in my viewing experience this past week. I just was like chilling in my apartment, and I was like, you know, laid out on the couch, just chilling like I do watching the game. But it was intense. But it was never at a point where like. I don't know. It was never at a point where I was horrified like I was, you know, end of the Apple Cup or, like, the Utah game um, until that last drive and the way that I, like, sat up on the couch and, like, got to the edge of my seat and just, like, Dude. mentally locked in, like, we make the joke, but I was, like, lean, like, head in hands, fully prepared to be disappointed. Um, yeah. But... Just absolutely ridiculous. They keep getting um, away with it. <laughs> yeah, like 
And Texas was getting seven yards per carry in this game and yeah. just fumbled every time they touched the ball. Like, or they just stopped the... running the ball? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is with this UW defense and teams like going away from the run. We've seen it happen in the Oregon game twice. We saw it in the Texas it's... game now. We've seen it in like multiple other instances this year where the obvious answer is to just run the ball and people refuse Which, like, to do it. I mean, we're going to do this a little more for the Natty preview, but like. The number one defense against this offense is just to keep Michael Penix off the field. Like, yeah. that's honestly your best chance is just to limit Washington's possessions. And teams will just refuse to do that. They're like, we're going to go three and out and just <laughs> let him come back on the field and then deal with the consequences. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever watched against a football team. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought the first half, like, score being tied 21-21 was, like, so unfair to UW. I thought you'd have dominated that first half, and then then go to the halftime and tied. It was so weird. Um, well, it goes to show how year. big those mistakes were, dude. That yeah, that the muff punt. Stuff. Yeah, but yeah. I, I like. I heard all year from national media how good Quinn Ewers was. Quinn Ewers sucks. He's not good. Like Bo Nix is ten times the quarterback Quinn Ewers is, <laughs> and Quinn Ewers is just like a a Bo Nix clone. But, call him Quinn like, Sewers. All it is, all he does is checkdowns. Like, how do you suck at that? And he still does. <laughs> we like, hate on Bonex, but he was the completion percentage record holder for Bonex was yeah, the king at checkdowns, and it for worked. as much organ hate this podcast has given. They have oh. been our only chance at beating this Washington team all year, outside of Arizona State. Yeah, you said that um, earlier, James. You said that. This was probably Udo's best game. I disagree. I still think the Oregon, the first Oregon game, um, was Udo's best game, because I just think Oregon is just a better team all around than Texas. I think Oregon would beat Texas just the way that Udo did. Round three, um, we'll get them this time. Yeah. I promise. The way Oregon, I swear, the way I swear, Oregon I swear, would be, I swear, I swear. Way Oregon Oregon would be Texas side. by thirty and still lose to Udo. Time, it's <laughs> That's so the funny. realest thing. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I we could go into depth on this Sugar Bowl, but at the end of the day, the offense was as good as it's ever looked. The defense came through when it needed to. I think Sark was just a bit too uh, deer in headlights also. Are you saying game. the lights were too bright? <laughs> I mean, the dude had Dare a 40-play script like for the, for the first half of the game. And, like, for people that don't know about how, like, plays are scripted, you usually go, like, 10 to 20 max to, like, start a game of plays you want to run in certain situations, and it's all, like, scripted out so you can see what works and what doesn't. Um, Sark had 40, which is essentially, like, half a game or almost half a game worth which, of plays. And, <laughs> and he came out and said this afterwards, he, like... Texas was just was fundamentally not ready for this game. They had a yeah. bunch of false starts and dumb penalties like throughout it. Like that just stopped the offense from even getting going, let alone scoring. I mean, 21 points in that first half, partially due to the uh, pump, pump, muff punt. But yeah, it just seemed like Texas just was not mentally prepared for this game. Yeah. yeah we, so we've gone this entire podcast and we haven't mentioned the best player on that field. Like Roma Dunze was yeah, so Dunze fucking was so good. good, dude. He's he's <laughs> the best player on Utah. He is so good. And then you have Jalen McMillan, who is almost as good. He's incredible. You got uh, Jalen Polk, and then you had Jack Westover was going crazy. 
Jack Westover, oh early my. sneaky white I was boy bullied on this podcast for saying he was Travis Kelsey-esque, by the way. Don't forget. No, he okay, was he's a better He's a better blocker than Travis Kelsey. Be real, dude. Um, somebody put out, like, a comparison of the top three receivers in the country this year, and Roma Dunze had a 75% ca- contested <laughs> catch rate. That's which is unheard of, dude. Next highest was, like, 46%. <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> That's actually mine. And he was, like, one of the only guys... I know what chart you're talking about. He was one of the only guys that had, like, more than 20 targets, like, for contested catches. It was crazy. He's just... He's a so, cheat code. Not Him? only was Penix dotting, like, up passes, like, uh, Rome was doing that thing that, like, elite receivers do where, like, you don't show your hands and don't show your eyes until the ball is Yeah. Landed. Like, there was multiple times where... Rome catches the ball, and then the Texas defender is looking stupid trying to swat it, and he already has it. Yeah. Like, it's he's incredible. He's an and elite like Penix, technician, an elite, yeah. like, physical receiver, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, Penix was dotting it up, but Rome was incredible. Mm-hmm. Rome Best pulling his name out of the transfer portal might be one of the biggest moments in Washington <laughs> seriously, football history. No, absolutely like, seriously, dude. Like, I'm... Not not even on my hater like shit <laughs> like him not on this team they're probably like nine and three even with everybody else like yeah. that's just counting like the Oregon State game where he made a catch that probably nobody else can make to seal that game and both Oregon games like uh-huh. he, he's like I was impressed too with uh, Jeremy Bernard very much so in this game he made a couple contested catches and like in traffic plays that were very impressive again this team just shows up when it matters the most and they turn up for big games i it's it's crazy to watch the biggest game now yeah yeah matt i wanted to ask you though transition uh, oh Uh, i'm breaking up the transition (laughs) i wanted to ask you though your thoughts on ryan grubb because like udo fans mid-game were like pissed at ryan grubb um, and I don't understand why. So can you explain to me why you don't so, okay. Ryan Grubb? All right. All right. So as a Ryan Grubb non-enjoyer, to put it lightly, okay, um, I've had my gripes with him, and especially in, like, the third quarter this year of a lot of games, the play calling has gotten a bit cute and frustrating. I think he called a fantastic game against Texas. I think the game plan, like, very consistently throughout the game, the way the offense was humming was incredibly impressive. I think some of the frustration was that they were probably running a lot more to the inside than they should have been against Texas's D-line, which I understand the frustration there, but even then, like, I kind of saw the vision with the other things they were setting up, and there were inside run concepts that were actually working for them. I know that on paper and logically you look at that decision and be like, why would you run at their best two players? But... You know, it could set up the play-action pass better. It could set up the outside run better. And there are times where Dylan Johnson is good enough of a running back running behind an award-winning offensive line. You're still going to be able to break some of those. So I see why people were frustrated. I just don't agree. I have nothing but praise to um, sing Ryan Grubb after this one, truthfully. And I, like... (laughs) You guys know my stance on him. I have been very vocally outspoken about not liking a lot of the decisions he's made this year. But again, 
just reflecting on the coaches and the team, they show up when it matters most. And Ryan Grubb is uh, included in that. <laughs> so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On to the natty. Yeah, natty. What, <laughs> Guys, a, what t- a cruel fate I live. <laughs> we are talking about a national that championship. The first year we have this podcast, <laughs> Utah makes the fucking natty. I think we should mention, guys, before we go to the daddy, it has been one full year of doing this podcast. One full year. Let's give it up. One full year. Everybody give it up. We made it. We survived the football season. Our haters said we wouldn't the make it to August. said we wouldn't make it to August, and here we are. January wouldn't make it to the new year. We'd break up. <laughs> um, we have been close, mostly because UW, as we mentioned, is playing in the national title game, and James... Um, against his better judgment, has still decided to stay on the podcast, which, uh, shout out to you for that, man. Um, Unfortunately, you know where I live. I'm not that good of a sport. I don't know if I could have stomached what you've done, so kudos to you. Um, (laughs) But the the history books will remember me. (laughs) The line for this game, obviously, UW-Michigan. Michigan, the one seed, UW, the two seed. Michigan opens (laughs) as 5.5. Point Washington favorites. fans calling all of Vegas frauds because they've gotten two games wrong in a row is very funny. I will just say that. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't say anything. I was just saying the line. No, not you. You okay, know who okay. I'm talking about, though. Yeah. <laughs> like all of Vegas is frauds because they have gotten two UW games wrong now. <laughs> yeah. Um. But they could get a third wrong. <laughs> they could. They could. Um. So. Oh, there's a lot we could talk about with this national championship. I feel like Michigan, offensively, what they do has the most like on paper style to limit Michael Penix's field time. Um, yeah. Obviously, they have Blake Corum, who's a fantastic running back. They have a great old line. They run the ball very well. They set up JJ McCarthy well to scramble um, and do all the play action pass stuff that he does. I don't know. I have a weird feeling that this game is not going to come down to Michigan's defense stopping UW's offense because I think you just scratch that up to UW will score 30 and Michigan will get a few stops because I just kind of feel like that's how it's going to go. It's going to come down to can Michigan run the ball? Can they be smart on offense? Can they play possession ball? Because ultimately that's what they want to do because if you get into a shootout with UW, you're going to lose. And I'm sorry, but Michigan is better equipped talent-wise to run the ball anyways. And if they get away from that, they're shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think we are all kind of on the same page on the Michigan defense versus the Washington offense. The one thing I will say is this Michigan defensive line ate up Alabama like it was, they were nothing. Like yeah, Alabama's O-line's been bad all year. They've, like, been, they've been bad. They've been, been bad. They've been, no, they've been bad. bad. They've been um, bad. They got they, destroyed they ran by Texas over Georgia like a month ago. Okay, but yeah, you know, I'm just saying, like they're they they have definitely been up and down, but like Michigan's defensive line was in the backfield within two seconds, which usually against Washington wouldn't be a big deal. The only concern you have is if those deep developing routes can't form, and while they're good after the catch, that's not Washington's receivers' strengths. I would argue. Yeah, I also think a big key to Washington for this one is that short game, they're going to have to get Jalen McMillan going. They're going to have to get Jeremy Bernard going. They're going to have to get Dylan Johnson going in any capacity, whether it's running or catching the ball. 
I think that obviously they have a solid secondary too. They have some great DBs out there. Um, they have one of the best statistical, probably the best statistical quarterback in the uh, entirety of college football this year in Will Johnson. He's fantastic. I just think, I think Rome can go for a big game, but I think it really comes down to those twos, those threes, the guys that make those chunk plays, those, you know, they turn those screen passes into big plays. You know, you get Jack Westover working across the middle. I think that's a key matchup for them. I just don't know what to fully expect because it feels like this could go like any other UW game, but Michigan is certainly good enough to where, like, the voodoo magic could wear off. I could very much see it on the biggest stage not turning up for Washington, but I want to know what you guys are feeling about that. So yeah. here's oh. the thing. UW hasn't played, or sorry, Michigan hasn't played a team like UW. They just haven't. They haven't played a quarterback as good as Penix, and they haven't faced receivers as good as that. UW has played teams that are in the same style as Michigan. Not as good, but the same style. Like Oregon State is the same style as Michigan. Utah is the same style as Michigan. And they won both of those games. And they uh, they got it done. And, like, we've seen what happened. Like, Oregon State controlled the time of possession, controlled the clock. But when it mattered most, UW got the job done. They got away with it again. And I just think that uh, when, when it comes down to it, you're just choosing between Michael Penix and J.J. McCarthy. Like, I'm not going to take J.J. McCarthy. I think that UW should just... Try to make JJ McCarthy beat you, because he—I don't think he can. I think that uh, he's just not good enough, and I don't think those receivers are good enough. Like, take the ball out of Blake Quorum's hands, and make JJ McCarthy beat you. I don't think he can, and I think that uh, UW's offense is just too good. I think uh, they should probably—is Dylan Johnson out for the game? Dylan Johnson, yeah, that's something we should mention. Is actually fully healthy and supposed okay, to be 100 so percent for this game. I don't know yeah. if I would say fully healthy. Um, I I thought it was. I would say happened, but... like seventy-five to eighty percent healthy, which is what we've seen him play at this year multiple times. Yeah, okay. So, well, anyways, yeah. I think they should stay away from the run. Just give the ball to Penix and let him cook. Uh, maybe run the ball a little bit to keep him honest, but just let Penix cook. Let him win you the game, and let those receivers win you the game. Um, the one thing I will say is if Michigan can run the ball, which we know UW is susceptible to giving up, we've seen it throughout the season, they will not do a Texas or an Oregon and be competent, like not running the ball. Like there, they, there has to be a team smart enough eventually, right? You like they, I mean, in they the national it, title, they did it against Penn State. Like JJ McCarthy mm-hmm. threw twice in that second half versus Penn State because they were doing what teams have been able to do versus Washington this year, which is get five, six, seven yards per carry. So, like, that is definitely... And then, like, you mix in, you know, a couple three and outs. This time of possession battle can really get out get out, get out of hand for um, Washington. They're going to have to get some turnovers. Like, I think Washington is going to have to get some turnovers. I just don't... I think Michigan will be so content just playing the possession game and like getting a few stops that it'll have, they'll like have to find a way to get some more possessions. Um, but yeah, like, like Zach said, this 
UW defense. There, there is no way to prepare for this offense. Like your team, like your scout team, whoever does not have enough good receivers to create the same like full court pressure type offense that UW runs against you. So I don't know. It's going to be a really good game, but I don't. I'm not quite sure if UW is going to get enough possessions. Is really the issue. I just think if Michigan gets uncomfortable in this game, like if you put pressure on J.J. McCarthy and you get Jim Harbaugh to start kind of second-guessing what he's doing, I think this Michigan team is going to absolutely crumble. Like, absolutely off the earth, like, foot on the gas, UW wins by like 30, I think, if Michigan gets uh, a little bit careful, or uh, a little bit too careless, I should say. The only thing is I don't think that's going to happen. I think this Michigan team's a very well-oiled machine. It's going to come down to who can have more composure, like who's going to crack first type of deal. And I don't know whether it's going to be like a cutesy play call or like something super risky or like a bad fourth down decision. But like in games like this, it comes down to those little details on, you know, the Kalen DeBoer versus Jim Harbaugh aspect, the coordinators versus the coordinators, the players being able to make big plays when it matters because... A lot of UW's success, like, has not come on a stat sheet this year. We, we've all seen it. It's undescribable how they're able to pull out some of these games that they're able to pull out. And I think that's it. just something you can't, like, you can't prepare for that. If a team is lucky, you just, like, cannot, <laughs> you literally, there's nothing you can do um, besides just absolutely hope you can dominate them. So Michigan... Obviously, talking from a more devil's advocate perspective, because I'm a UW fan, but if Michigan wants to win this game, like, they have to swing first, and they have to swing hard, because that UW team, like, if it's the, within 10 points, I think they can win it. The other, the super interesting, or I guess potentially depressing part of this game is, like, both of these teams, this is, like, the last ride. Like, not yeah. literally, but, like... UW had a bunch of people come back for this game. You don't know what this offense is going to look like next year. Same thing with Michigan. Like a bunch of people came back after the heartbreaking loss to TCU last year. They don't know what's happening to Jim Harbaugh. Like the loser of this game is going to be heartbroken. Yeah. I will say too, it is interesting that Jim Harbaugh, I'm hearing a lot of uh, NFL coaching rumors come out as we were distracted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I not focused. Not focused. I doubt that happens, but we've seen crazier things happen in college football before. So maybe uh little Jim gets a gets a call that puts the game on ice for you to, But I don't know. I think it's it's hard to quantify how this game's gonna go. I am excited. I can't put that into words, like how excited I am for this. But like you said, James, it's kind of been a building point for both of these programs over the past few years. UW obviously flipping from 2021, four and eight playing in the title. Michigan, the past few years, has been building back up, um, being able to take care of Ohio State consistently now, and they're in it. Um, it's a fun matchup. It's a classic college football matchup. And at the same time, it is something new that a lot of the uh, more casual fans of the sport haven't seen, which I'm always for. The but North owns the South. I Yeah, and this is going to be a conference game this year. We're going to see this rematch in Seattle, um, which I yeah, think is con- another layer to it. Oregon POV, the national champion, is going to be in Oregon's conference for the first time since, like, 2005, <laughs> which is crazy to think yeah. about. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think uh, one of the biggest, like, keys to this game is UW just getting up early. Like, I hope yeah. UW gets the ball, 
first and then just goes and scores because uh, Michigan hasn't really played behind. All it year. is interesting yeah. which UW team will we, will we see. Will we see the one that sucks for a half and then comes like just charging back in the second half or the team that like keeps up in the or like even goes ahead in the first half and then lets the team back in during the third quarter <laughs> i'm so the, excited i can't wait your <laughs> two archetypes of washington this year yeah. either and i don't come out strong and capitulate or yeah. capitulate early and come out lock in and <laughs> i honestly do just don't know which one i'd rather have because i feel like it both results you know wins this game by two points so. i <laughs> you i don't think you can start slow no, this game. I don't think they just with how do. well Michigan runs the ball. I think yeah. if if UW goes into halftime by down more than one score, it's going to be pretty a pretty big issue for them. Yeah, I could see it. I think all things considered, though, I'm still picking UW, um, but mine isn't very in depth. It's a bit of a homer pick, as most of my UW picks have been. I'll go like you 30... are fourteen and zero picking UW this year. I, is... Yeah, I can't really get away from it, you know. Um, so I'll do it again. Why not? Let's go UW like 20, 29 to 27. How about that? Don't know how that happens, but it happens. Do we have a Dewey pick? I mean, we um, know, but do, like. Who do you... <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> you would say dogs by a million, and then his actual yeah. prediction would be UW 100, Michigan negative five. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think we know who Dewey's picking here. James, you want to go next? For as well behaved as I have been on this episode, <laughs> UW winning a daddy would be catastrophic <laughs> for my personal health and um, life going forward for until Oregon wins one. Like, which who knows? If that will ever happen <laughs> at this point with their luck, it might not be for a yeah. bit. <laughs> I love being in the race into November. That's my favorite bit. And then losing in the most heartbreaking fashion. Um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I like, I have been just so wrong on UW at this point. Um, but I gotta pick Michigan. Like I have to be a hater. Like I can't. Yeah. Like when the lights are the brightest, I can't fold now. Like I, I technically picked Texas last game, but like I knew how that game was gonna go. But yeah, I think Michigan is probably able to control um, the time of possession. They have been building to this probably even longer than, or they have been longer than UW has. Um, and yeah, with it looks like Jim Harbaugh is not coming back. It feels like this is the last ride for this team. UW has proven that they have the ability to get back here. So give me Michigan 38, UW oh, wow. 31. Wow. That would be a Blake Corum legacy game, I assume. Major <laughs> McCarthy is not that bad. I He's feel not... like we need to calm yeah. down on how, like, that Michigan has me at quarterback. I think we need to. <laughs> He's not terrible, but he's not going to win you a game like a guy like Blake Corbin can win you a game. You know what I mean? That's where That's I'm at with it. Norum. <laughs> Zach, buddy, what are we thinking? So, what happened last time UW and Michigan played for a natty? UW won. I, it's true. UW won. They in did. 19, was it 1990? I don't know. 91? Um, sure. 
Actually, yeah. let's just um, make they, they claimed a national championship after winning. Okay, the Rose Bowl. yeah, you know just what? So we're, I, just so we're so you're gonna give page. that Rose Bowl to you're gonna of... give that to BYU? <laughs> oh, Are you gonna do this wow. right now, James? Now you've done what it. it. Now you've done it. What have now you done? You've done it. <laughs> no, 1991. I recognize Miami as the national champion. Oh, I'm, okay. I'm hearing okay. a lot of chirping from the cheap seats right now, James. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hearing a lot of chirping from you. <laughs> so, I think that UW gets up big, and then they capitulate at the end. And I think that Yuta wins 31-28. to 28. But I think that it is going to be, like, really, really uh, scary at the very end. And I Most think the normal UW a... game. <laughs> yeah, I think that Michigan's going to miss, like, a chip shot field goal to send it to overtime. Dude, that would wins. be so funny. <laughs> and look, man, Or maybe, like... Maybe it's like I'd a fourth and two. Ill. Maybe it's like a goal line situation where there's like no time left, and then Harbaugh's like, "I'm gonna win it," and then they just get sacked or something. <laughs> yeah, I think it's gonna be like JJ, one of the most. The goes crazy. over JJ McCarthy's head, like just yeah, raise <laughs> so much sense. Yeah, I think it's gonna like, be a no, crazy cardiac like... game. First and goal from the one with 30 seconds left, and the snap goes over JJ McCarthy's head, and UW recovers. Like, that's how this ends. I, I, I'm so confident in it now. Hey, we did we did guess how the game was going to end last week when I talked about Texas and UW coming down to which secondary was going to make the play to win the game, and then it was UW <laughs> on the last possible play. So, I don't know. Crazier things have happened. College football's a weird thing. Um, entity, I guess you could call it. But we've had an absolute blast covering this season. Obviously, we will have more to talk about. We'll have a natty to debrief. We'll talk about the portal and stuff next time. But to all of our listeners, we want to thank you guys. Obviously, this has not been a very uh, official operation. We've been doing this just more of a passion project. And we've had a really good time doing it. We've made a lot of friends along the way. Past year's been really fun, and I'm excited to see what 2024 and then into the 2025 season has in store for us. But until next time... I was just going to say, I'm going to have some insane narrative ball about the Mountain West next year. (laughs) We're going to have some... Actually, some some of the most nasty work you have ever seen. (laughs) Uh, Can we adopt Air Force into Cascadia Quarter? But until next time, when we uh, are either, you know, ecstatic will be happy next time. Yeah, somebody will be happy next episode. Just depends on uh, who it'll be. But find out. The James and Zach episode will be a banger. The James and Zach episode. (laughs) I will not be there because I will be dead. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time. Until next week when we crown a champion. See ya. They can't keep getting away with this. Somebody stop the Dodgers for the love of God. Somebody stop them.